Welcome to Catch the Fire Toronto's weekly sermon podcast. This message was recorded live at Catch the Fire Church in Toronto, Canada. We hope you enjoy it. As Kathy said, we're in a sermon series which has gone on a little longer than this month, which because uh, we're just having fun with it, is um, living in the emotional health of Jesus. And the whole purpose of this series is um, to enable us to become or to remind us that we're actually already in Christ Jesus, and that we are therefore able to become more and more like him. And, uh, and that in itself, that action, that what he do, is doing in our hearts actually will enable us and create a place for us to be in, uh, in great community and relationship and love together. And that will manifest uh, the love of the Father to the world. So I'm going to take a little bit of time today to talk about living in weakness coming out of the humility and uh, gentleness of Jesus. So we're going to look at uh, a passage that I kicked off this sermon series back at the beginning of August with, Matthew 11, chapter, uh, chapter 11, verse 25 to verse 30. So I'm going to read this now. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So right at the beginning of this, I just love Jesus's invitation. This really is just a beautiful passage of scripture. I love Jesus's description of himself as gentle and humble of heart. Um, But he starts off this passage by saying that it's the will of the Father. I hope you caught that at the beginning. It's the will of the Father for us for him to re- to not reveal these things, which I said a, a few months, you know, a month ago. These things are the inbreaking of the kingdom and the revelation of who Jesus is and the, and the life of Jesus and therefore our life. It's it's the will of the Father. It's not just His will, but it's His good pleasure to actually hide those from the wise and the learned and to show them to little children. That means that. To receive the kingdom of God, you have to be in a place of weakness. You have to be in a place of childlikeness, not to be having it all together. So the invitation that Jesus is saying, that what Jesus is giving is that he's inviting each one of us into a place of being humble like him. And it's interesting, you know, he's saying you've taken a moment, he said to the Father, you've You've not revealed these things to the wise and learned, but you've revealed them to to little children. Who was the first little child that he revealed him to? Jesus. Jesus himself was humble and gentle and he was as a child allowed the father to reveal himself to him and to live in a place of weakness. You know, what we do with our weakness is really, really important to both our own lives, but the sense of community that we're able to live in and the, and the places that we're able to, to, uh, to handle 
If we are able to handle weakness, we're actually going to be able to build community really powerfully. If, we're going to, if we can handle weakness, we're actually going to be able to be a safe place for people just like Jesus. We're going to be a place where people find transformation. So the first thing I want us to just realize is Jesus himself was very, very comfortable with weakness. First of all, he was comfortable with his own weakness. He was comfortable with his own weakness. He was able to recognize that he had physical needs. So I'm thinking about, I'm going to do a little thumb, few thumbnail sketches of this through the New Testament, you, through the Gospels. We won't have time to look at every passage, but you can go and study it yourselves you know, later. But he had this he was able to identify he had physical needs. I'm thinking about when he was in Samaria before the woman at the well, and he's saying, hey, I'm really thirsty. Can you give me a drink? I'm thinking about the moment where he was in, um, he was able to, uh, you know, he had financial needs and he didn't have anywhere to stay and he, he allowed other people to take care of him. It says that he had a number of wealthy women that walked around, followed him around and provided for all of his needs. He didn't, you know, push away their help, but he didn't also exploit their help. I'm thinking about how he was in need relationally, just as he's about to go to the cross, which we just celebrated this morning. He says, he takes three of his friends and he says, look, I'm, a, I'm in real trouble right here. First of all, he's expressing his emotion. He doesn't have any problem with saying, I'm in real pain, I'm, my soul is troubled, I'm in, I'm in difficulty and anguish. And then he says to his friends, hey, would you come with me and just stand with me and watch and pray with me? Jesus is very comfortable with his own weakness. He's saying, I need you in this moment, please come and help. He's also right here in this passage, what he's saying is he's really very comfortable with not being recognized. He's really comfortable with his own weakness of nobody really understands who he is. And so first thing he says in verse 27 is, I'm really comfortable, all things have been handed over to me and nobody knows me. But you know what? That's okay. I'm not here to, to make, make a big splash. I'm not here to get, make a song and dance. I'm not here to be seen and known by everybody. Nobody actually knows me but the Father and I'm okay with that weakness. But not only that, as he's saying in verse 27, but no one knows the Father except the Son and whom the Son is going to point to him. In other words, he's not just happy himself to not be known. He's taking it one step further and he's saying, in my weakness, I'm really happy for someone else to shine. That other person that I want to shine is the Father. And so Jesus is very, very comfortable in his emotions. He's very comfortable with his weaknesses. He's very comfortable with just who he is. In fact, he was so comfortable in being dependent upon the Father that he says in John chapter 5, I can only do what the Father does. I only say what, the Father, what I hear from the Father. I only see, I only do what I see the Father doing. Jesus didn't come out in this great place of strength and, and power and anointing and you know, fall down before me because I'm the Holy One. He came very much in weakness, even his birth, coming in a place of lowly in a manger to you know, a, a teenager most likely, but, you know, with a, a whole manner of you know, scandal around his own birth and his circumstances. Jesus, very comfortable with weakness. He's saying, you can't come into the kingdom without being like a child. A little child is one who is dependent, who doesn't have all the answers, who is just looking to their father or their mother to take care of them. Jesus himself saying, I'm here 
in weakness as a child to my father. He recognizes for all of us that we all, himself included, we all need a father. We all need to be taken care of. And he's very comfortable in that place of weakness. But not only is he comfortable with his own weaknesses, he's also really comfortable with other people's weaknesses. I mean, he chose 12 dudes that really had nothing to show for themselves, right? You know, he, he, he chose fishermen that didn't understand. He chose a tax collector who was really good at exploiting people for Rome. And he chose someone who was wanted to take up arms and fight against Rome. And therefore, the, wanted, probably wanted to kill the tax collector. He's really, really comfortable with other people's weaknesses. He's actually really comfortable with inviting people that have weaknesses into his space. He's very, very comfortable with that. In fact, you know, we haven't really got time to, to read it, but if you read chapter 11 and chapter 12, what you'll see is Jesus all around him is dealing with weakness. And this very passage of him saying, you know, come to me, you know, first of all saying, you know, come as a little child. Then he's saying, come to me, all who are weary. It's, it's, it's sandwiched. It's deliberately surrounded by passages that are talking about those that are either weak and not getting Jesus, or those that are strong and not getting Jesus. And Jesus is saying, I'm happy to be in weakness, but I'm not going to let you stay in weakness. And I'll get back to that in a minute. But if you roll, you know, if you scroll back to the beginning of the, of the path of the chapter 11, there's this really interesting story. You know, Jesus is going around preaching into different places and, and John the Baptist, his cousin who had come and John the Baptist was famous for saying, Hey, God's coming. The Messiah is coming. You know, the Christ, he's coming and he's going to judge you all. So you guys better get ready. He's coming in power. His, his fork is, you know, his threshing fork and his winnowing stick or whatever, they're in his hand and he's going to come and he's going to judge and he's going to baptize you with a spirit and fire. Hey, watch out, everybody. He's coming in strength. And then he's, John's in prison and, and in, in verse two of chapter 11, he comes up, you know, he sends his friends to Jesus and he says, hey, um, you're kind of like, you're a little different than what I was expecting you to be. I've heard about you being kind and loving and forgiving people and accepting the weak and being a friend of sinners and, you know, and, and loving, you know, taking care of prostitutes and, and tax collectors. And, 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 and where's the judgment, dude? Jesus, where's the judgment? Are you the one I was expecting? I mean, I had this frame. I thought that you were going to be the guy that was going to come and you were going to bring the judgment and you're going to change everything and you're going to get us out of Rome. And you're not doing any of that. And so John the Baptist is like, Jesus, are you the one? Did I get this right? I thought it was you, but did I get it right? Should I be thinking about someone else? Should we be waiting, should we, should we be waiting for someone else to come? You know, and, and this, is the, this is the herald. This is the guy who's been prophesied over. This is the guy that's coming to say, Jesus is coming, the Messiah, the Messiah is here. And he doesn't get it. And this is Jesus' response. What Jesus doesn't do in response is, John, you're an absolute idiot. How on earth could you do that? Come on, John. You know, we talked about this. You know, we, you, you're my cousin. You, you know, you should be looking at, you know, we should be looking out for me. Go, come on, John. Why, why can't you see what's going on? You're just so religious. You're so stuck in strange mindsets. You just missed it. He doesn't say that at all. He's very compassionate, actually, towards John. He says, well, look, 
This is what I want you to see. I want you to see that you, you know, the blind are opening and, and the, 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 the eyes are seeing and, and the, the deaf are walk, hearing and the lame are walking and the dead are being raised. There's signs of God everywhere. But just listen, don't let my external, don't let that trip you up. And so they go away. And then Jesus, rather than telling everybody, could you believe that guy, John? Could you believe what he just did? I mean, he's there, he's saying that I'm the, you know, I'm the Messiah and now he's questioning it. Could you believe this guy? What an idiot. He doesn't say any of that. What he does is he said, you know, hey guys, listen, there's nobody greater than John. This is the guy from all of the prophets and all of the, up to now, this is the greatest guy that's ever lived. He's very, very comfortable with, with his weakness. A few, you know, a few chapters later, he's, you know, he's, got little kids all around him and he's just something about Jesus that he's, he loves people, right? And, and people love him and, and they're bringing their little kids to him. And, you know, having just said, hey, you got to be like a child, they then bring the children to him and his disciples are like, no, no, get them away, get them away, get them away. But Jesus is saying, no, I love kids. I love their childlikeness. I love their weakness. He's very, very comfortable with that. He's very comfortable with his own family's weakness, Right, his own family, it says, in various points, didn't even believe in him. His own family were like, at one point, his own family so didn't believe in him that they said in Mark chapter three, he's out of his mind. He's got people coming everywhere. There's people stopping and he's tired and he's not stopping for food and there's just people everywhere. The guy's gone, he's lost his marbles. It's his very own family. John 7, he's saying, and they say, hey, Jesus, you should go up to Jerusalem because clearly you want to be a big shot. Clearly you want to make yourself known. If you want to make yourself known, you've got to make yourself known. Go up to Jerusalem. Again, not understanding him, but he's very, very comfortable with their weakness. He's very comfortable with his disciples' weakness. He's very comfortable with his own emotions. Because of this, he says of himself, I am gentle, and humble of heart. If you're gentle and you're humble of heart, you're going to be very comfortable with people's weaknesses, comfortable with their questions, comfortable with their not knowing, comfortable with their mess. You know, you're comfortable with people around you freaking out. So, you know, John's disciples, sorry, Jesus' disciples, you know, there's a moment where, you know, there's a, a Samaritan town that rejects him and, and John and James, his disciples, two brothers, you know, they're called the sons of thunder. Ooh, yeah. And they say to Jesus, hey, Jesus, can we call down fire from heaven to destroy that village? You know, and then Peter himself, he's like, hey, you know, when Jesus says, I'm going to go to the cross, and Peter's like, no, you're never going to go to the cross. And Jesus is like, get behind me, Satan. But he doesn't write him off. He's comfortable with even people that are aggressive towards him is comfortable with dealing with them and he invites them in. Here's the thing though, while he was comfortable and the invitation was to, hey, everybody that's weak, everybody that's weary, everyone that's tired, everyone that's heavy laden, come to me. Come and join my community. Come and be part of what I'm doing as an invitation, not to the strong, not to the wise, not to the understanding, but the invitation to those who walk in weakness and in humility and just haven't got it together which is good because, hey, that's me. I don't know about, I'm sure you guys are all got it together, but you know, that's me. But it, it, here's the thing when he says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, he then says, I'm gonna give you rest. 
So I'm, you're going to find in me, you're going to find acceptance. You're going to find, find a place of belonging. You know that the Jesus community, the heart of Jesus, is that everybody that has shortcomings and failings and weaknesses and are willing to, depend, to, to acknowledge those weaknesses, everybody finds a place. Everybody, every one of us, whether we've got it together or not, in fact, having, having it together isn't a qualification for being part of that community. It's if we're weary and we're heavy laden and we're just under the pressure of life. Jesus' invitation is come, come into my community, come and be with me. And he says, I will give you rest. In other words, you will find acceptance and a place of belonging. You know, this church is not a place where you come. It's a, a community where you belong. It's a community that should be one where it's safe to be gentle. It's safe to be weak. It's safe to not have it all together should be a community that's safe for people that have fear and difficulty. It should be a community of faith of people that are struggling with things. It should be a community that's safe for people that don't have their lives sorted out. But what I love about Jesus' invitation isn't just to come and join me and be part of my community. It's not just to say, I will give you rest and you can find acceptance. It's also to say this, Learn from me. In other words, don't just get stuck. So while Jesus is really comfortable with his weakness, he's comfortable with his, you know, uh, everybody, you know, his personal weakness and other people around him being weak, he never lets that weakness become his identity. He never lets that weakness become something that disqualifies him or disqualifies other people, but he never lets them, anybody get stuck in that weakness. He's always saying, no, listen, come to me, come to me. You can be weak, you can find acceptance. But when you join yourself with me, you're not going to stay weak for very long because I'm going to come around you. I'm going to wrap myself around you and I'm going to teach you and you're going to learn from me what life looks like. And so one of the things about Jesus in his weakness that I absolutely love is he created a space that was safe community for community for people that didn't have it all together to come and actually be protected by Jesus. And so if you scroll forward into chapter 12, you see the, the disciples are walking along on, this, on a special, you know, on the Sabbath and they're, and they're picking the grain of corn, you know, and they're eating it. And, and the Pharisees, the, the guys that are really the predators of the day, you know, they're, they're the ones that are like, oh, you've got to follow the rules and do the right thing and be strong and, and, and have it all together and, and demonstrate that you've got it all together by, by doing the right thing. And you're doing the wrong thing, you know, nitpicking and fault finding, which probably is actually true of all of us at various times, where we nitpick and we fault find and we point things out. Somebody called me exacting the other day and it was like, ooh, ooh. You know, because I go through things like, well, Ash will be sharing a story and she'll be like, yeah, we got here in 2007. I'm like, no, we got here in 2008. I mean, what gifts? Really doesn't matter. But there's something within all of us that we like to kind of be right and point things out right, right? point things out and make it clear that we know and everyone else doesn't know. I mean, maybe again, that's just me. But the Pharisees, they're saying, hey, these guys don't have it together. They're doing the wrong thing. And then a bit later, Jesus heals somebody on the Sabbath. And they're like, how could you heal on the Sabbath? They're nitpicking. And Jesus is a very gentle protector. 
Because what he does is he shields his disciples from the criticism of the Pharisees. And he shields himself. He doesn't allow their criticism to affect him. He's actually standing up for them. And even though they're weak and they don't have it all together, he, in his, he then takes his strength and creates a space for the weak to find strength. So he confronts those, that behavior in the people that are around him. He even confronts his own family who are trying to kind of press in on him and be, in a sense, like uh, aggressive towards him and, and try and manipulate him and tell him what to do. But he doesn't just confront those around him. He actually also confronts his disciples. He confronts you and I. Yay. He says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. He says to the, the disciples that want to call down fire from heaven, you don't know what spirit you are. He confronts those things, but he invites people in. He confronts those things and he invites us into our weakness, but he doesn't allow us to stay in our weakness. His expectation is, come all who are weak and weary and heavy laden, come in your weakness, find me, experience me, but you're not going to stay that way. You're going to experience my life and my power. So here's a question for you. What's your life like? Are you hearing Jesus's invitation? Are you hearing his invitation to come in as of someone that's weak? How do you handle your own weaknesses? Are you tender with your weaknesses? Are you gentle and humble of heart with your weaknesses? Do you allow your weaknesses just to say to you, well, it just shows me how much I need God. And that was my invitation anyway. Or do you take your weaknesses and do you beat yourself up? Do you hold your weaknesses against you? Do you say, I can't be forgiven? I'm a bad person. I have to do this. I have to do that. I can never get over what I did to myself. How are you with your own weaknesses? Are you tender towards them like Jesus is? Or are you harsh towards yourself? If you're harsh towards yourself, I can guarantee you, you're not going to be very fun to live around. Are you feeling stuck? Are you feeling unable to move? Are you feeling frozen? Jesus' invitation is to, to, to each one of us to say, I see your weakness. I cover your weakness. Allow yourself to be tender and gentle towards your own weakness. The second thing, my second question is this. Do you bring rest to people that are around you? Do people find life with you? Do they, can, can people be themselves in your presence? Can they be weak and vulnerable? Can they share what's going on? Or do they have to present themselves as someone else? Do they have to put on a brave face? Do they have to put on some strength to be part of your world? Can they share weaknesses with you? Do you bring rest? Are you a person that enables other people to rest around you? Or are you driving and making them drive with you? There's another question. Who are you surrounding yourself with? Do the people around you let you be you or do they require you to be strong? Do the people around you allow you to open up and be weak and vulnerable or do they actually require you to put on a good face? 
Are they building joy and are they helping you develop your identity of joy and in Christ, you know, and being resilient? Or are they actually requiring you to be somebody else? If you have friends that you can't be yourself with, there's two options. One is to have a really, really brave conversation and talk about being, you know, enabling you to be weak. And if that doesn't work, the second one is to find some other friends that are going to actually allow you to be yourself. We've had this conversation so many times with our, our kids when they were growing up, you know, struggling with somebody that was being unkind to them. And, they, you know, we're like, you know, you don't have to be their friend because a true friend is going to allow you to be yourself. A true friend is going to make space for your weakness and for your character and personality and all of who God has made you to be. And it's my final question. Who are you inviting into your life and your community? Well, first question is, are you part of a community? You know, one of the things that we love here as, as, a, as, a, as a family, as a church, is that we hear Jesus' invitation. It's not just a personal thing where we come to Jesus and have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with him, but we come in coming to Jesus, we actually join the Jesus community and we don't just join on once a week on a Sunday, but we actually join and we go to a connect group, which is a, you know, a group that happens outside where we get to, to, to love and be loved and know and be known and, and serve and be served and, and give and receive and, and, and practice this weakness. But not only do we get to practice weakness, we actually get to practice being protectors of other people to enable those people that are around us to come in and find life. Who are you inviting into your life and your community? People just like you, people you get on with, people that sound like you, act like you, people that have it together and are strong? Or are you hearing the invitation of Jesus to say, we'll protect the weak without being domineering and controlling? We'll help you in your circumstances. You, 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 you feel like you don't fit in? Come and join our group. You'll find a place of belonging. But here's the thing. If you join us, we don't want you to stay the same. Because Jesus' plan for each one of us is that we would get transformed into his likeness, into his glory. And so are you, are you in a connect group? Are you part of a team? Are you serving? Are you finding a place to express your gifts? Not just to express your gifts, but actually to be in a place where you can be vulnerable and weak and share that with other people and actually help other people become all that God's called us to be. You know, we're not created to be islands on our own. We actually mature in family. The whole purpose of family, whether it's individual family or our church family, the whole purpose of that family is that the strong and the weak live together and everybody becomes strong and then they create a space for the weak to then join so that they then become strong and it becomes a cycle which we call, which the Bible calls discipleship. And so let me finish with this. The thing about, I love about the gospel is that it's not just good advice. It's not just, hey, Jesus was humble and gentle, and so you need to be humble and gentle. The thing about the gospel is this, that Jesus is most strength, his moment of greatest victory was his moment of greatest weakness.
We celebrated it this morning. We celebrated the communion, that moment where Jesus willingly in humility gave himself, humbled himself, was so gentle and allowed other people to beat him and mock him and then ultimately crucify him, to spit on him, to do all these horrendous things. He accepted that physically. He accepted all of our sin spiritually upon himself. He took it all in himself in a moment of weakness and horrendous pain that we would never, ever, ever be able to comprehend. He took it upon himself. But he did that. And then in that place, he overcame sin and he overcame death. And he did that so that he could live on the inside of us, that we could have the spirit of God dwelling within us and that we could walk in the life that Jesus walked because we now have Jesus on the inside. So this message isn't do better. This message, again, is always we come back to Christ is in you. Jesus is on the inside of you. The power of heaven is on the inside of you. The gentle and humble one lives on the inside of you. And he doesn't live just in you, but in the whole community. So are we as a community going to allow him to manifest his life within us and become all that he's called us to be? He brings us into a family to transform us. And it's not just those around Sorry, it's not just our relationship with him and the Father. It's he brings us into a place of family. So if you are mature, if you, um, that doesn't mean age, because we can find some old people that are actually pretty immature and some young people that are very mature. It's actually about our, what we've been through and how we've processed that. But if you are in a place of maturity, here's what I want to say. Even if you're in a place where they're slightly more mature than someone else, We need you. Jesus needs you. Because he's going to use, he's going to use you and I to to help people in the same way that he did, because he's now living on the inside of us. He's going to find, he's going to help you and I to help other people become all that they were called to do, because we're tender with their weaknesses in the same way that we're tender with our weaknesses. Who's up for that challenge? What it requires is for us to surrender ourselves to Jesus and to surrender ourselves to community and to surrender ourselves to the process of maturing. You can't pray it in, although you can pray and have some freedom. You actually, so many of these things you learn through experience and by being in community. And Ash and I's desire, I know Steve and Sandra's desire, our team's desire is that we would be a church family that is full of maturity, where if you're weak, you can live and find strength because we as a community are a happy place for people to come who don't have it all together and find the one that has it all together and be transformed in his likeness. So I want to invite you to stand, if you would, please. Let's just take a moment. I'm gonna, I think well, there's some questions we maybe post through the week to sort of chew on, because um, I know I threw some, a lot at you in, the, in, in a short period of time. But let's just take a moment to ask the Holy Spirit about how we handle weakness. How do we handle our own weakness? How do we handle the weakness of other people? Are we one that requires everybody to be strong? Do we hold ourselves to a higher standard than everybody else? Can we, 
Do we hold ourselves in unforgiveness? Are we angry towards ourselves? Can we allow other people around us to be weak and vulnerable? Or do we have to, can we allow them to be themselves? And if the answer to that is, you actually aren't tender to your weaknesses, you aren't tender to your vulnerabilities, you aren't tender to the weaknesses of other people, then just take a moment to ask for forgiveness. Just say something simple like, Jesus, please forgive me for trying to be strong and not being tender with my weaknesses and the weaknesses of other people. And then just say, Father, please help me to become mature and to learn how to help other people find rest. And please help me to mature that I can help other people become all that you have created them and called them to be. And just take a moment to ask for forgiveness in any way that you have manipulated, exploited, or tried to take advantage of other people's weaknesses. I mean, that's me when I think about even being exacting. <laughs> I have to say, Lord, please forgive me for putting right, being right above relationship and taking other people's weaknesses and using it for my advantage. And then just pray one more thing. Holy Spirit, would you please fill me? I surrender myself to the process of community and of you moving in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Kathy. We hope you encounter God and were inspired by this message today. To watch video of this message and other messages from Catch the Fire in Toronto, visit catchthefire.tv. Catch the Fire has churches, schools, events, missions and media all around the world. To find out more, visit catchthefire.com.